So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. I know we're not having pew Bibles, but you can follow it on your phone or on the screen. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for coming here today to share in the service. It's been quite a week, uh, and uh, no doubt uh, we will continue to live in times of uncertainty and fear and confusion, uh, and we just really felt it was right to speak into all of that uh, this week uh, and uh, be together as God's people. Uh, so if I can have the first of my slides, please, John, that would be great. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if you've had this button installed by your bed uh, or on your phone. Uh, that is definitely what the world is thinking we should do. At the 8 o'clock uh, service this morning, we had, we had a little chat afterwards, and we sort of made a covenant with each other that we are going to self-isolate from the news. Um, because, uh, you know, it's just unremittingly depressing. Um, and it just, and it's, you can feel it stoking up the fears and the uncertainty uh, and the worry you know, more pictures of empty shelves uh, and headlines about soldiers on the streets uh, and uh, everybody dying. And uh, I caught myself a couple of times this week actually thinking exactly that. I actually, I just need to stop looking at my iPad every hour uh, to see what the latest is. Because um, it, it's just, uh, we need to get a right sense of perspective. More of that to come. I have been considering this week my own anxieties um, at this time of change and challenge. 
I, I can't be alone in having worries for my own health, thinking, I hope I don't get it. I'm a mild asthmatic. I had a, I had a text from my surgery saying, uh, you are increased uh, chance of being vulnerable to COVID-19. Like, Thanks for the cheery message. <laughs> don't rub it in. <laughs> So, you know, and, and probably all of us, unless we are completely made of steel, uh, will have had that worry. And of course, all of us are thinking about our family and our friends. And most of us within our family are going to count people who are on the front line. Uh, doctors, nurses, uh, carers, paramedics, you know, people that we know are going to be uh, catapulted into the thick of things. This is me being honest. Uh, I have been anxious about will my own leadership as the newbie here at Christ Church, will my own leadership be found wanting? Will, will, I be, will, will I make the right calls? Will I do the right things? I've been worrying about the services, to have them, not to have them. Will having them make things worse? Will having them make things better? Um, what do we cancel? What don't we cancel? I'm worried about whether the church loses momentum through a time of uncertainty. I'm worried that the church loses money through a time of uncertainty. You may share some of those or all of those, but I don't think any of us have come to the service this morning without anxiety and concern. But what we really want to do is just to line those all up and having owned them, put them into perspective and put them into God's hands. If we go to the next slide, please, John. It seems to me that we are always living in the valley of the shadow of death. That famous image uh, from Psalm 23. We are always living in the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we quote that bit of Psalm 23 as though it was an occasional comfort when things are really challenging. But actually, we always live in the valley of the shadow of death. Now, how do we live? We live joyfully, and we live hopefully, and we live thankfully, but we do live in the shadow. If you look at the Bible, uh, two of the most common images that it uses of us as people are either mist emphasizing that it's here one moment and gone the next, or grass, here today, gone tomorrow, moan, shriveled up, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. And yet we as a society have tried to build this myth of immortality, that death cannot touch us, and that it's to be kept at our very furthest outstretched arm's length. You talk to anybody who's been recently bereaved. You talk to someone who's just had a challenging prognosis. We live in the valley of the shadow of death. And to pretend otherwise is to fool ourselves and to kid ourselves. Paul knew this. And so at the start of our passage, he's talking about the wider perspective of judgment and redemption, reminding us that as people that we will face Christ as judge but that will be a day of joy and a day of wonder. And at the end of the passage, uh, Paul, I think, sensing through his uh, oncoming uh, trial, 
He's already been arrested by this stage. He thinks he knows how the trial is going to end, his death. And so he has that sense of his life being poured out. And so he's able to share all those amazing images. You know, I've fought the good fights. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now, the vast majority of us have absolutely no idea when we are going to die. Uh, here's a newsflash. We're not all going to die from coronavirus. Yes? God willing, none of us will. But we will all die. And we will, we don't die first. We will be gathered up by Jesus when he comes again. And Paul describes Christians, describes our identity in this way. We are among those who are longing for his return. We are longing for his return. That doesn't mean, this is not kamikaze theology where we just can't wait to be dead. But it is Christian theology, uh, which means uh, that we have no fear of death. And in many ways, like Paul, we can say, for me, to die is gain. Now, this is a perspective that we should always have. It's sharpened, it's given light and shade by uh, the current circumstances. But the Bible is reminding us that we are all mortal and finite and temporary. All of us. None of us is invincible. But as children of Jesus, we see things differently. We live in the valley of the shadow of death, yes, like everybody. But for us, we live in the valley of the shadow of the cross. And that shadow looks very different the shadow that casts down through history is entirely different because although it is a reminder of our sin and our mortality and the wages of sin, it is, of course, a shadow of hope. It is a beacon of light. It is a reminder that all of us who are Christ's will be able to say, as Paul says in Romans 8, that nothing, nothing, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Can we have the next slide, please? In this kind of situation, a situation in which our mortality, our sense of that is heightened, in which there is panic around us, what does Paul say? He says that we should preach the word. We should preach the word. He says it's never the wrong time. Uh, to preach the word. In fact, the greater the danger and the greater the uncertainty, the better the time uh, it is for us to preach. Whatever unfolds for us uh, in forthcoming weeks and months, we will remain gospel people of hope. And so we will be people who in all kinds of interactions and transactions will be able to say, how do I preach the word here? How do I share the hope that I have? How do I bring a bigger picture? How do I talk about God and compassion? How do I show love and courage? That's what we will be thinking during this time. We understand that everybody in our entire world has been wounded by sin, or even better, uh, for now, infected by sin. 
this virus of selfishness that is leading us all to death, that requires and demands a savior. We know that all of us have settled for compromise and cowardice in parts of our lives. We know that all of us need encouragement, however hard you are, however stoic, however built of steel and stone you are, we all need encouragement. Not cheap and cheery encouragement, but deep and gracious encouragement. Paul encourages us to have great patience and gentle instruction with each other. This is a time for established Christians. I look at you guys. Established Christians, however young and old, to, to be models of grace and love and trust. People will look at you as people will look at me and they'll see and they'll gauge how you're handling it and what you're saying and whether you're panicking and what you're doing. This is a time for us to have great patience and gentle instruction. Preach the word. It's shorthand, isn't it? Uh, for showing and sharing and demonstrating our hope in Christ. St. Francis of Assisi uh, would often say, uh, preach the word and use words if you have to. A lot of this is going to be an action. It's going to be demonstrated in compassion. But of course, as we uh, learn in 1 Peter 3, we should always be ready to share the hope that we have in us. And goodness me, aren't there going to be conversations in the next weeks and months where people's souls are laid bare and their fears are owned and manifest and shared, maybe for the first time in many years. Let's be there as people of grace. Last slide, please, John. Uh, the last thing we need to do, says Paul, is to keep our heads. So uh, he's already told us that we all live in the valley of the shadow of death, that sense of finitude and mortality. He's reminded us that we should preach the word. There's never a bad time, only ever a good time uh, to share our hope. And lastly, uh, we should keep our heads. He was facing a time of extreme turmoil and uncertainty. Well, so are we. And Paul knows that it can all go to pot in those kinds of times. And he was looking around him, and the Christian community was beginning to fracture. And fault lines were appearing. And we understand that, don't we? When you get external pressure, that's what happens. Fault lines appear. Well, not here, sisters and brothers. Anxiety and fear and uncertainty stalk the land, and they may well stalk our hearts and stalk your prayers. But Paul says, keep your head. That doesn't mean we have to make the supreme act of uh, willpower or summon up courage that we don't have. Uh, rather, it just means keep an eternal perspective and see, th see the horizon as God sees it. See the horizon uh, that is in a sense, dominated by the shadow of the cross. See the horizon of hope, which is ours as Christian people. The next months uh, will, I'm afraid, probably make demands of us all. We will be tempted to panic and to blame and to fracture and to give up and to live in fear. There will be hardship for some of us. 
whether it's physical or emotional or psychological or financial or spiritual. Some of us will find ourselves right on the front line. All of us, at times, are going to be tempted to think, well, my faith in God and my, uh, my God-given ministry within the church can go on pause for a while. because so I'm just going to hunker down and carry on and wait out the storm. After all, uh, what can little old me do? Well, Paul's very clear. Verse 5, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all duties of your ministry. Let's not wait this out in our bunkers, even if some of us have to remain at home for a period of time. We're going to need to be flexible and creative, but we do have lots of tools that will make this easier. We do have telephones, remember those? And email and WhatsApp and websites. We were hearing earlier from um, someone at the 930 congregation who has 1,400 people that her uh, company look after who are isolated or largely living at home. She has now got 400 volunteers, and 400 volunteers between them are phoning every single one of those 1,400 people a couple of times a week just to make sure that things are going okay. Now, we're all used to thinking of Christchurch as quite a big church, but that dwarfs anything that we're doing. So let's, let's use the simple things, just in being creative and flexible as we respond to this time. One of the challenges for many people is going to be boredom and loneliness. I can't stand the thought of having to self-isolate for a whole week. What would I do? Who would I talk to? Now, some of you are thinking, I can't imagine anything better. But, you know, for me, who just like, I'm just about people, and like more than half a day on my own, I'm just going stir crazy. It's Sutu, yeah, exactly. So there's going to be boredom. So let's, let's learn stuff and remember stuff that we've forgotten from so long ago. Out in our gardens, reading books, you know, whatever it is. We're going to need to be creative and flexible in responding to this unprecedented season in our lives. I haven't found anybody, certainly of my age, that can remember a time like this, where there's been the level of anxiety and uncertainty. We want to hear God's voice in all of this. We want our community and our nation to hear God's voice in all of this. Here we are, heading headlong, head down, self-absorbed. But great nations and great leaders are being humbled. And we are confronted by our inability to control things and uh, to be self-sufficient. And as communities, we're being uh, pushed right back together. And friends, we should be in the very thick of all of that. So the same person, Rachel, who was sharing this morning, uh, said that what she's going to do this afternoon, and I'm sure some of you have done this already, it's just type out a little postcard and put it through the doors of all the people on her part of the street. Just reaching out to them, saying, let's make a little WhatsApp group. Let's look after each other. If you've got a problem, this is what to do. You know, things are happening in our community that have not happened for a very long time. And it strikes me 
that we need to be right there in the thick of it. We're going to be the glue, the drivers, the carers, the people looking out, the people looking up. Let me end with some practicalities. Just to assure you, the wardens and the PCC and I are taking our responsibilities really seriously, and we will always heed and follow the very latest advice. Secondly, please don't be foolhardy. So please don't come to church if you clearly have symptoms of COVID and you're clearly unwell. For the sake of other people, I know there is this kind of English stoicism that says I'm going to fight on regardless. Please, if you're poorly, stay at home. Please be praying for the nation and for those in authority and those on the front line of care. What I've done, because it's, because it's COVID-19, I've set a daily alarm on my phone for 1,900 hours. So every day, my phone will go off, then give me a little ping, and it will be a reminder uh, to pray. I don't care how you do it, but let's, uh, in a sense, make a covenant together that we will pray the nation and the community through this crisis. Uh, we will stack the website uh, with good resources, testimonies and stories and music to listen to, stuff to read and reflect on, things to make you chuckle. Uh, so even if you can't get to everything or you can't get to anything, church carries on. And please, if you are part of a small group, please make sure those small groups are caring for and looking after one another. If you're in a ministry area, exactly the same things apply. Please, please, please. We will do as much as we can centrally, but we have to push a lot out to you and say, please care for those you're in close contact with. We don't want anybody left out or forgotten. Lastly, just to remind you that we do have something called the Early Church Fund. And the Early Church Fund has been around for quite a long time. The Early Church Fund is there to provide financial support for people within the family of Christ Church, interpreted as widely as we possibly can. But it's there to provide financial support for people that need it. And if things go as they seem to be going, it's likely that some of us who run small businesses uh, uh, or are in other circumstances are going to face financial hardship. And we would just really encourage you that we have a fund that is specifically for this kind of situation. And so if you or anybody that you know that in any way can be deemed as within our church family that need financial support, financial support is there. So please, 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 let's not hear at July, August, September that someone has gone under. Uh, or someone has really had to suffer financially because it is not necessary. So please come to me uh, or go to Paul or Carolyn at Breakwell uh, who administer the fund and uh, we will make things better. So please, 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 let's not have any uh, quietly born uh, financial hardship through this time. Let me pray for us all. Our loving God, we thank you for uh, this chance that we have to meet together and be together. Uh, we pray for each other. Help us to preach the word and live the word. Uh, 
through this time. Help us to keep our heads at loving God and help us to rejoice in the victory and the wonder of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.